Would you folks do me a favor, not for myself, but for the glory of God? When I count to three, would you just give the Lord the biggest hand clap you could ever give anybody? One, two, three. We give God praise. We give him praise. We give him praise. Wow, my goodness. Great, great worship, great singing. I just tell you what, good night. That'll make a Baptist shout, amen? Anybody, it don't matter. Praise God, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, let me uh, say this, I did forget to mention this in the foyer going out. Uh, there's a table out there, uh, a lot of books on that table. These are used books that was in my library over the years. Uh, just any size donation, dollar, two dollars, or whatever you want. Uh, but if you're a reader, uh, which I think everybody should be, um, then uh, I'd encourage you to get some of those books, uh, great, great price, and also some other items there, great uh, Christmas gifts, early Christmas gifts at a great price. Uh, if I'm tied up at the altars or whatever, there'll be somebody there uh, to assist you. It helps to put gas in my tank to take me down the road, amen? And uh, so we're just excited about what God's doing. Well, praise the name of the Lord. Uh, today I want to share something with you that I may need to move this up just a little bit. Today I want to share something with you that is very near and dear to my heart. Matter of fact, uh, I believe it to be the most important subject in the entire Bible. Nothing is more important than what I'm about to share with you today. Uh, and it's, uh, it has to do with a great commandment. Does anybody know what the great commandment is? It is to love God supremely. It's to love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's to love Him supremely. All of life, that is the bottom line of life, and that is to love God supremely. I truly believe as I stand here this morning that if you and I have any value, if we have any self-worth, if we have any significance, if we have anything, it's going to come out of this intimate exchange of loving God and being loved by God. I didn't say this, but Jesus himself said, this is the greatest of all the commandments. He said that all of the law and the prophets hinge on this one great commandment, and that is to love God supremely. You see, the question today, if I was to ask every one of you, I can tell just by the enthusiastic celebration of our Lord that no doubt most of you love God. But we're living in a day that that's really not the question. The question today is not whether or not you love God. The real question is, how much do you love God? That's the question. God wants us to love Him supremely. The question that I have today is that if loving God supremely is by far the greatest commandment, then why does it get the least of our attention? God has called us to love Him supremely. I want to read today, if I can, out of the Scriptures in Revelation chapter 2. Matter of fact, when you think of the book of Revelation, we think of a book of Bible prophecy. But the Revelation is far more than just a, a book of Bible prophecy. It is what it said it is. It is the revelation of Jesus. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1. I want to read seven verses, if I may. Revelation chapter 2, sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Verse 2 said, I know your works, and I know your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot tolerate them which are evil and you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and you have found them liars and you have persevered and 
Okay. And you have persevered and have patience and labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Notice what verse 4 says. Nevertheless, I have something against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know, as we study the book of Revelation, we see there's different churches. It was written to the uh, seven churches. And there's been so many preachers over the years that says, well, uh, I believe that we're in this church age or we're in that church age. But I I tell you, if you're a student of God's Word, I think all of us would do well if we would simply read Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3 and govern our life accordingly. I believe that all of these messages applies to every church age. You know what, friends? Listen, and I don't, I'm not trying to bore you today, but I, I need to give you a little bit of history. Ephesus, when you, when you study the city of Ephesus, you'll see that back then it was the crossroad to modern civilization. It was there in Ephesus that they had uh, dedicated and erected a huge temple to the Greek goddess Diana. It was there in Ephesus that many priests and priestesses would come and offer their bodies in a bizarre form of cult prostitution. It was there that uh, many people from prison or jails would seek asylum. There was a lot going on at Ephesus. It was uh, very busy, but Ephesus was a place of sin and immorality and, and idol worship and debauchery. It was very similar to America. And here, right in the middle of it, God saw fit to put a church there called the Church of Ephesus. You know, we just read in Revelation chapter 2 what this church was like. Could we go back over just a few of the things? How many of y'all got the red letter edition? That means that Jesus is talking. And notice what Jesus said about the church of Ephesus. The first thing he said was, I know your works. Everybody say works. In other words, in the Millikan's translation, I know how busy you are. I tell you what, you don't have to go far to see all the churches that are busy. If you don't believe they're busy, just look at their bulletins. There's there's always something to do, somewhere to go. Busy, 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 busy. You say, preacher, is there anything wrong with being busy? Well, really, the Bible said that we should occupy until it comes. Matter of fact, I want to go on record today and say there's no place in the kingdom of God for lazy people. We should never be lazy when it comes to the things of God. So we should be busy. But I'll tell you something, friends. If most churches today would simply seek the face of God and put their hand on the pulse and the heartbeat of God, we could probably stop doing about half of what we're doing right now. Why? Because sometimes our busyness and a love for theology or a love for doctrine as they knew it. Let me tell you something, friends. How many of y'all believe that you should know the Word of God? Of course you should know the Word of God. Every Word of God is pure, and He is a shield to them that put their trust in Him. Man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But can I tell you something? The most scariest people I've ever met in the world were two kinds of people. One was a person who claimed to be a Christian but never quoted the Word of God at all. I have a problem with that. And then there's the other extreme, the one who quotes the Bible all the time. Both of those can be very dangerous. You say, well, how, how could knowing the Bible be dangerous? Here's why. We got a lot of people who studies the Bible, but the Word of God is not leading them into an intimate relationship with Jesus. Friends, you can know the Bible from Genesis to maps. How many know you can't go any further than that? You can know the Bible from Genesis to maps, but if the, word, if the study of God's Word is not leading you into an intimate relationship with Jesus, it is all in vain. Amen. 
God did not raise anyone up to be a lawyer for him. He didn't raise you up to try to prove your little pet peeve. God raised you up so you could walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day. He wants there to be this intimate exchange, this fellowship, this unbroken communion with him. God is saying, friends, it's not enough to be busy or labor and all of this other stuff. He said, you persevered. You've done all this stuff. You've done all of it. But notice this. This is sobering. After all of that, I, I don't know about you, but it sounds like a church that we'd all want to go to, would it? A busy church, a church that don't like imposters, a, a, a laboring church, a, a strong church, a persevering church. But here in the midst, the person who was walking among the seven golden candlesticks saw that something was missing. You know, I travel all over America. And I'll be honest with you. I stopped being impressed by the lights and the music and even the enthusiasm. Because looking beyond all of that, what God is longing for and looking for is a heart of love. Someone whose affections are not divided. Someone who can honestly say out of a pure heart, I love God with all of my heart. God was saying, listen, I, in spite of all of this, I have something against you. The God of all heaven is saying, I've got something against you. You've left your first love. Listen to me, church. There's a big difference between leaving something and losing something. You know, I, we went to a cemetery yesterday. I took the grand tour of this big metropolitan area here. And, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't know if I'll leave this world before my wife does, but I know what she'll probably put on my epitaph, and it won't be something spiritual. Here's what it'll probably say. His last words, honey, where's the keys? Anybody here today that's ever lost their keys? I know this may sound dumb, but you don't get up in the morning and say, well, you know what, I just think I'll lose my keys today. I think I'll purposely lose my keys. When you lose something, it's something you normally don't plan to do. But in this case, it's far different because God was saying, you didn't lose it, you left it. Now listen, I want you to hang on because I'm not preaching heresy today. But listen, you got to hear me what I'm about to say. If a person begins to wane in God, if a person becomes lukewarm in their faith, if a person finds themselves drifting from God, it's not something that they uh, uh, didn't plan to do. It's something that they really plan to do. When you, you say, how in the world could I walk away from my first love and plan to do that? I'll tell you why. Because God Almighty will never allow anyone to stand before Him and plead ignorance. Matter of fact, God will go out of the way and He'll say, listen, I want you to know my son. I want you to know my daughter. I've done everything in my power to try to get you back to that place of intimacy. I've done everything. I even sent a preacher here all the way from North Alabama to tell you that. Why? Because I don't want you to stand before me and plead ignorance. Matter of fact, when we think of Jesus, we, we understand that He's our Savior. Anybody understand Him that way? We understand that He's our Savior. We, we understand that He's the God of heaven. We understand that He is our Lord and our Master. But I'll be frankly honest with you. Very few believers understand Him as the lover of their soul. Very few believers today walk in this intimate relationship with God. Why? Because he has had to share himself with other lovers. May God help us if we get to a place where ministry becomes our mistress. God help us if we get to the place to where we allow the things of God to even become worship. Listen, I can tell you, friends, that even singing songs and going to church and, and knowing the Bible can become a sin. 
How can reading God's word and singing songs about him become a sin? I'll tell you how. It becomes a sin when it becomes a substitute. I'm telling you now, friends. Listen to me. When it comes to loving God, no other substitute will do. When it comes to loving God, no other substitutes will do. It's no wonder the Bible said, he said, my name is jealous. I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. Why do you think he said that? I'll tell you why he said that. Listen to me. He said that because he knows that no other love in your life will do. Let me tell you, the whole world is looking for the love of God, but they don't know it. The whole world is like some bewildered kindergarten where everybody is trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. Everyone is looking for God. They're looking for love. But unfortunately, most of them are looking in all the wrong places. They're looking forward in the arm of a young man who tells that young lady everything she desires and wants to hear. They're looking for love as they go from one relationship to another just to be let down and just to have their heart crushed in a thousand pieces. They are looking for love. Let me tell you something. I've been married, it seems like, most of my life. And I know that Maybe you don't believe it, love at first sight, but I remember when I saw my wife-to-be, we were such old people, we, we were really old. She was 15 and I was 16. We was really old. But I'll never forget is when I lived in Georgia, and she transplanted from Jackson, Tennessee to Georgia, and she walked through those school doors, and I looked at her. The first thing I said was, Achiwawa. <laughs> wow. Man. I got close enough to her to saw that her eyes was green. And I said, green-eyed lady, lovely lady. I thought, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to have to put a move on her because if I don't, one of these other jerks are going to. So I'm going to have to put a move on her. So I went up to her and I said, hello, my name's Jerry. And she said, yeah, I already know that. I go, oh, really? I said, well, where you come from? Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Blah, blah, blah. had just a little small talk. We talked for at least 20 minutes. I felt like that was long enough. And so I looked at her and said, you know, I don't know if you believe it, love at first sight, but as I'm looking at you right now, my heart is palpitating real hard. And, and matter of fact, I think I love you. Would you like to marry me? How many of y'all think I come on a little bit too strong right there? Oh, I know I come on too strong because she looked at me and, and she wasn't saved and I wasn't either. She said a few choice words and went like this right here. And all of a sudden, I'm just standing there in the aftermath. And I'm going, my God, man, she just took my heart out of my chest and just stomped all over it. And then I thought, you know what? I know what she's doing. She's playing hard to get. That's what she's doing. Well, you know what? I'm not going to be some stalker or something, but I, she's playing hard to get. Then I will pursue her. And pursue her, I did. Her sister gave me a picture of her, and I put it on my wall above my bed and every night I'd kiss that picture hoping it would turn into her I just love that lady matter of fact we finally started dating I met her mother man oh man I fell in love with that lady oh did I fall in love with her I, I remember those days because every waking moment I would think about her all the time. I, I, I could not wait to just be with her, to have a, a date with her. It didn't matter if I didn't have a car or I was out of gas. I would thumb, I would crawl, I would do anything in my power because all I wanted to do was just be with her. Matter of fact, when she looked me in the eyes, she didn't have to second guess that I was in love with her. Why? Because I had the love look. You know, just coming to this service today, I, I left and I said, Jeanette, I'll see you later, honey. I said, if I don't see you anymore, I'll see you in heaven. I don't even know why I said that. I don't normally say stuff like that. All of a sudden, I heard her start to cry and I walked back in the kitchen. She was sitting in the kitchen table. And I went and hugged her and 
She said, Jerry, you're such a strong man. She said, I wished I had half the strength that you have. She said, I love you so much, darling. And I said, I love you too, baby. Even after four grown children and ten grandchildren and the ups and downs of life and the struggles and the heartache and the arguments, yes, and all the good and the bad, I still have the love look. I'll be honest with you. When I go to churches today, I am shook to my core. Why? Because when I look people in the eyes, well, your eyes tell your story. You can look at a person's eyes and tell whether or not they've had a hard life or a fairly easy life. You, you can look a person in the eyes. You can tell whether or not they're sick or whether or not they're healthy. Matter of fact, you can look a person in the eyes, a spirit-filled person can, and tell whether or not they've got demons in their body or they've been totally delivered. You, it's, your, it's amazing what your eyes say. Another thing your eyes say is your eyes say whether or not you're in love or not. I really don't see the love look a lot in believers today. They just don't seem to be in love with Jesus anymore. Let me tell you something. Can I be unspiritual for a moment? My wife, I love her, and she belongs to me. And I belong to her. Now listen, you let some knight in shining armor, you let some Romeo come and try to steal her affections away from me, I'm going to tell you, I may not be all that spiritual. Matter of fact, I may lay hands on that person suddenly. You know why? Because I love her and she loves me and I'm a jealous lover. God put that jealousy in my heart. Man, let me tell you something. If you was to look at God and say, oh, Jesus, I love you. Matter of fact, Jesus, I'm going to be so loyal and committed to you 364 days out of the year. But I want you to know, Jesus, on this one day, only one day, I'm going to seek another lover. Let me tell you something. I tell you right now, I don't even know your wife, but I'm going to tell you, if your wife knew that, she wouldn't be happy about that. Your husband wouldn't be happy about that. If your wife wouldn't be happy about that, if your husband wouldn't be happy about that, then God surely is not happy about that. God never intended to play second fiddle to nobody. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Friends, God has called us to love Him supremely. Uh, look, look at Jeremiah. Y'all still with me now? Say amen. amen. Say oh me. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 2. Look at this one with me. Jeremiah chapter 2. Do we have it? Huh? Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember you. I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me, everybody say, went after me. When you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. The children of Israel was an incredible type and shadow of the New Testament church. Matter of fact, the scripture said that they were given for our example. Somebody said if you want to be successful, that's simple. I know a simple recipe to success. Find somebody who's not successful and don't do what they're doing. How I many you know you'll be successful? It's the same way with loving God, friends. It's the same way with loving God. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, listen, if you've left your first love, if your love for God has grown cold, if you're in a lukewarm state, which I believe many believers are today, even believers in this room, you know what I believe God said? This is what He said to do. In Revelation, He said, remember Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. You know what God was saying? Take a journey down memory lane. Is there anyone here today that remembers the day when they first got saved? Oh, man. I remember when I first got saved. 
Oh, without going into great detail, I, I can relate to you, Brother Houston. I was a drug dealer. I got busted with four pounds of pot, 56 hits of acid. I was on my way to at least seven years in a federal penitentiary. I didn't, I didn't know God. I didn't think God was real. I thought if you read the Bible, you was a sissy. Listen, I wanted nothing to do with that. To make a long story short, I had a head-on collision with God. And he turned me from a, a pot smoker to a holy roller. Oh, man, boy, did he make a difference in my life. The day that I got saved was unbelievable. Old things had passed away that day. New th all things become new that day. God translated me out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life, and he changed me from the inside out. I want you to know that I was so desperate in those days. I had no father. My father rejected me when my mother was only six months pregnant. He wanted to have nothing to do with me. My grandfather was my dad. I remember seeing my biological father for the first time when I was five years old. I didn't know the man. My mother remarried and little did I know that the man that she would marry would later adopt me when I was 11 years old. But he was incredibly abusive. My God, I was abused so severely. I come from such a dysfunctional and messed up home, I can't even repeat the things that's so horrible. And you see, when I first got saved, uh, I, it was all new to me. It was like I, I stepped onto another planet. I, I didn't know what in the world had happened to me. I couldn't explain it, but I'd been gloriously born again. And it was like God looked at me and said, i got to take you to the, uh, in the operating room, and i got to do surgery on your soul because there's some baggage in your life I've got to cut out of you. I want you to be whole. I don't want you to drag that same old ball and chain that you've been dragging around for years. I want you to know the truth. Because only the truth is going to set you free. And you know what? He said, I know what you need, son. You need a daddy. You need a father. And I don't mean to get all emotional. But for two and a half years, I saw God as my heavenly father. I saw the scripture that said, when your mother and your father forsake you, he will take you up and adopt you as your own. I saw the scripture when he said, if you pray, when you pray, start it out this way, our father. I thought, my God, how in the world can I serve a God who dwells in unapproachable light? How in the world can I serve a God who one day will come and put one foot on the earth and one foot on the sea and the government is going to rest upon His shoulder and to His kingdom there will be no end? How can I serve a God like that? My God. I serve a God who can make the harlots holy and the drunkards sober. I serve a God, friend, who can change you and rearrange you. I serve a great and mighty God. But yet He's the same God that I get to call Abba, Father. Daddy. Little did I know the journey that I was about to take because God said, I want you to see me in a greater way. I want you to know that I'm more than your Savior. I'm more than the King of your life. I'm more than your Father. I want to become the lover of your soul. And I'll never forget the day that it happened. It was on a beach at the ocean. It was one of the most memorable moments in my life where I finally saw Jesus as the lover of my soul. Because I knew that my wife's love was not going to complete me. I, I knew that my children's life was not going to complete me. I knew that my ten grandkids' life was not going to complete me. I didn't want to make them idols in my life. I, I needed a love, a love that was far deeper and greater Jesus said remember go back it's no wonder some folks want to sing the old songs oh I'm not here to knock the old songs I, I love the old songs but some people want to sing them why because they left their first love years ago and when they sing an old song it brings them back to the place where they used to love God
Some of the most dangerous people in the world are people who used to love God and has now traded their relationship with a God and they still tithe, they still go to church, they're still deacons, they're still Sunday school teachers, but their love walk with God left years ago. Jesus said, remember. Then he said this, repent. Oh man, if the church in America ever needs to repent, it needs to repent. You want to know what God is trying to say to the last day church? Here's what it is. Repent. God is telling us, friends, let me tell you something. If the glory of God was to visit this place, there would be no dancing, no singing, no nothing. Every single person would be on their face before God. Some of the greatest prayers that I've ever prayed in my life was when I was all alone with God and I couldn't even utter a word. Why? Why today do we have so many believers that are so content to have a sure line experience with God, friends? Just a little dab will do you. That's the way they live. You have an enemy today, folks. I'm going to tell you who your enemy is. It starts with a letter C and it's called contentment. You can always tell when a contented Christian, they slip in, slump down, and slide out every single Sunday. There's no joy in their life. There's no peace in their life. Their prayer life is in shambles. They have no burden for the lost. Why should they when you don't love God anymore? No wonder we're not hearing the sounds of spiritual newborn babies filling our sanctuaries. I don't mean to be intimate here, but how many of y'all believe that I've been intimate with my wife? If you believe I've been intimate with my wife, raise your hand. Well, how in the world do you know? You wasn't in my bedroom. Let me give you a little guess. I have four children. How many of y'all know I've been intimate with my wife four times at least? Raise your hand. You see, that's why it's hard to get Christians to win souls or anything else. Because there's no intimacy. We've, we, we've overlooked the great commandment for the great commission. Let me tell you, the great commandment is an experience and the great commission is an expression. You have to have the experience before you have the expression. No wonder we have people that live their whole Christian life and never lead anybody to God because you can't tell anybody nothing you don't have yourself. But the moment you become intimate with God, the moment He becomes the lover of your soul, it changes everything. I hope you don't ever play the lottery, but what if you played the lottery and you won $5 million? You think you could keep it a secret? Try doing it. Jesus said, Repent. Repent of your prayerlessness. Repent of your apathy. Never in my life have I seen so much apathy in churches today. You could call a prayer meeting in most churches. You could announce it a month ahead of time. And I guarantee you everybody will have an excuse on why they couldn't come. You could put every one of them in and put them in the smallest Sunday school room in your building. You see what I'm talking about? Jesus said, repeat, go back. Listen to me now, y'all. I'm getting ready to close, and I don't normally have but three closings. That's it. So, Y'all better be glad I didn't start in Genesis 1-1. That's all I know. I... Now, listen, stay, stay with me now. Pay attention, please. When my wife and I first got married, I was a drug dealer. We, when we got married... My wife's, my mother's preacher come over and everybody in our, my mother's living room was drug users and drug dealers. I'm so ashamed to even admit that. Fast forward my life. We got married. I got saved. She got saved. She got saved for me. We started having kids. I moved to Chicago. Does anybody know where Chicago is? I lived there for 10 years. I was brought on staff at a large church there as the staff evangelist. And I'll never forget this day. This day... The pastor said, hey, uh, we've got some people that wants to renew their wedding vows. There's like nine couples that wants to renew their wedding vows. 
Well, that really got me. Because I thought, you know what, we started out wrong, but thank God we ended up right. I said, you know, I think I'm going to go have a talk with my wife and ask her does she want to renew her wedding vows to me. After all, it had been 10 years. I went to her and I told her, and I said, if you want to think about it, she said, I don't have to think about it, I want to do it. I go, wow, okay. You know what, that day came, and I'll never forget that day. That day, the place was packed out. There were flowers everywhere. All the men, including me, number 10, we was all dressed up, buddy. I didn't know this, but somebody had snuck out and bought my wife a drop-dead gorgeous wedding dress. She, they walked, when they, they stood up, they played the song, Here Come the Bride, and I was doing like this right here. I was going... My eyes was just, you know, I, I was just scanning the, the women. You know why I was scanning the women? I was only looking for one. She came walking through that door, and the moment I seen her with that wedding dress, you know what I said? Achiwawa. Whoa. Matter of fact, my knees started fellowshipping together. My heart started palpitating. I felt like Fred, Fred Sanford. I think this is the big one here. I'm literally going to die of a heart attack. I must be a hot-blooded guy or something. I don't know what's going on. But I tell you what, she struck me as just gorgeous. But it wasn't her outward beauty. It was her heart that I loved so much. She walked down that aisle, and when she did, the closer she got to me, the more... My knees started buckling. I literally thought, my God, I'm fixing to pass out. They'll love that, boy. They'll laugh at me forever. Finally, somebody gave her a microphone. This is what she done. She sung me a love song. And all I did was stand there and look deep into her eyes and cry. And I thought to myself, sweetie, you still had the key that opens the door to my heart. And yet so many believers today are like a marriage that's gone south. Oh, they've got a lot of water under the bridge. They, they done had children and now the love is gone, the passion is gone, and they wake up and now they're two strangers living in the same house. We have believers today who come into church and sing songs about God with their lips knowing full well that their heart is far from God. Listen to me. That day, years ago, was one of the most beautiful days of my life. And yet, I have to tell myself, one of these days, another event is going to happen. A cry is going to rip the very heavens. A cry that said, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Let me tell you who's going to meet him. Let me tell you who's not going to meet him. It's not going to be a materialistic, lukewarm, apathetic church. No, it's going to be a church who longs for his appearance. Move this over here, brother, would you? Listen to me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. There was a girl... She went to this school, and she was just a common girl. She didn't think she was pretty at all. She was just a common girl. They had the prom, and her girlfriends come to her and said, Do you have a boyfriend taking you to the prom? And she said, No. She always felt very unloved and worth not much. She was just common. Finally, they talked her into going to the prom and said, Well, maybe there'll be somebody there that'll dance with you. Take up some time with you. So she went. They bought her a dress, and when she walked in that big building, she saw all of her friends laughing and giggling and dancing to the music. All she done was take an old steel chair, put it off in the corner, and looked at everybody have a good time. She thought to herself, I'd rather be any place than here. She felt common, unloved. And it was at that moment that the doors of the gymnasium in the back swung open wide. And through those doors was a tall, dark, handsome young man. He strode past everybody. He walked past all the girls. And he walked right up to her and said these words, May I have 
this dance. She couldn't believe it. She, she got up and he held her closely and they started dancing and she could not believe it. She said, I can't believe out of all the girls in this room, he chose me. All of a sudden her heart started beating and she, he said, I'm going to dance the night away with you. And it was at that moment that she woke up. It was just a dream. She got up on the side of her bed and she looked in the mirror in her pajamas with no makeup on and her hair all messed up. And then she started crying. And she said, my God, I knew this was too good to be true. I'll never have no one who will love me and have eyes for only me. It was just a dream. It was at that moment the Spirit of God filled that bedroom and told her, no, my daughter, it was not a dream. I was the one that walked past everyone and who had eyes for you. I was the one that held you tightly and decided to dance the night away with you. I'm the one who told you I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the one who told you I have engraven you upon the palms of my hand. I'm the one who redeemed you not with silver and gold but with my precious blood. You want to know how much you're worth? I'll tell you how much you're worth. You are incredibly valuable to God. You're worth the death of His only Son. But the question today is, how much is God worth to you? Pat, brother, if you want to come play, just I just want to come play. Listen to me, listen to me. I don't know what time it is. Yeah, I do know what time it is. It's, I may go ahead and tell everybody it's 5 after 12. But I also know what time it is. I know what time it is. Listen to me. I have never had an urgency in my soul like I have now. I have walked with God for many years. And yet I know that the last song is about to be sung. The last sermon is about to be preached. The lights are already growing dim. One day they'll go out and the curtain will close for the final time. I don't know if the trumpet of God will sound before my last heartbeat. But if I die, I don't want to be known as a person that was a good preacher or even a good father or a good husband, as noble as that is. If I could just live up to the reputation of Jerry Milliken, who was a man who loved God. He was a man who was consumed in loving Jesus. Let me ask you something, church. Has your heart grown calloused? Has your heart grown cold? Are you following God from a distance? Where is the hunger in your soul? Brother Jerry, if I can't be real here, I can't be real anywhere. God, give us a baptism of raw honesty. You know what? I need to fall in love with God again. I want to leave behind a legacy of love. You can leave your children millions of dollars and acres of land, but if you don't leave behind a legacy of love, I'd rather for my kid to work on the back of a garbage truck if I knew that they were consumed in loving God. That is the heartbeat of my life. God has called me this day to call the church back to its first love. And I'm calling you today back to your first love. If you're here today, you say, Preacher, I need to find my way back to God. I need to make loving God my greatest pursuit in life. And I don't need to allow anybody or anything to take the place of loving God supremely. He deserves all of my love. If that's you, I just want you to, I want you to respond. I want you to respond. Listen. 
the message today can't be just done at an altar time. Whether or not you come to this altar and pray or not really makes no difference in the light of eternity. What really makes a difference is, is this message going to change your life? Will you look back a year from now, six months from now, and say, this was the turning point in my life where my love walk with God grew deeper. This is where it began. If you need prayer, I want to pray with you. And I want those of you to be patient. Please be patient. This is a little town. There's not a whole lot of restaurants here anyhow. Brother Jerry, I just want to fall in love with Jesus. I want to fall in love with Jesus. If you're here, you need, you need prayer. You say, Brother Jerry, I just want to fall in love with God. I, just, I want to fall in love with God. There's areas of my life that I want Him to touch in my soul. I want to be whole, but I'll only be whole as He touches me. I want to pray right now as the music's being played. If you're here this morning, maybe you need to make your way to the altar. Listen, I'll open these altars up. Oh, my God. There's no doubt that God is doing a work in this place. But let this be a church that love is building. Let it be a church that's filled with love. You show me a, a church body who will make loving God supremely their chief pursuit collectively. I'll show you a church that people will come for miles and miles to be a part of. Why? Because the world is looking for love. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this body. Thank you for the pastor and his family. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would do that deep work in our soul. God, that we would make loving you our supreme pursuit in life. Father, we love you. We want to love you even more, God. We keep falling in love with you. God, every single day, God, help us, Lord, to not allow any obstruction or any diversion, God, anything to take away, God, or walk with you, Jesus. God, we just want to love you. We want to spend our moments loving you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would fall in love with you, God. Father, write that on the tablets of our hearts. God, may it be branded in our very soul, God. May, the, may you be, be the object of our desire, God. Father, we want to love you with all of our hearts. God, we love you. We praise you, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, brother. Woo! <laughs> so, Pastor Jerry, he invited us to the altar. I'm not saying you have to get to the altar. You can build an altar where you're at, but six months from now, like he said, two weeks from now, a year from now, I'm not saying not to come to the altar. If you need prayer, if he has spoken to your heart, do you believe the brother got a word from God? Do you believe that? Do, do you believe that the church has fallen away from their first love? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Come on. We're just going to stay patient right here for just a minute, guys. Right there. Get up behind them there, John. Hallelujah. There's the first one. So now, now, now that you don't have to worry about being the first one anymore, you can be the next one. Hallelujah. Come on, Lana. Let's pray for this lady right here too. Ladies, y'all want to come up here and pray with her? Hallelujah. Lay hands on her and pray. Get in front of her. Hallelujah. Let's just let God be God right here. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some things that Pastor Jerry spoke during this service that I know for a fact it struck some chords and nerves with some people in here. It did with me. And if that's you, I want you to come up here. Hallelujah. 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 Again, y'all just stay patient with this and let's let God be God. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. known the Lord before, but I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I know that God has sent people in my life. There's people in my past that has prayed for me. And listen, I don't want their prayers to be in vain. I want them to know, even those that's gone on to be with Him, I want them to know that every tear that rolled down from their cheek has not been in vain for me. How many of you would want God to stamp salvation above the doorpost of your home? How many of you have sons and daughters and children that you so desire to serve God and live for Jesus? Man, I know I do. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this body. Lord, I pray, God, if there's anyone, Lord, that needs to make that uh, rededication, that they would uh, surrender sweetly to you, God. Lord, I thank you that, that God is it's not a happenstance. It's not luck, God. or It's not a, a, of any kind of, of other way, God. Lord, this sermon had their name written all over it. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that they would fall in love with you, that they'd make you their Savior and their Lord. God, you said as far as the east is from the west, so have you removed our transgressions from us. Lord, thank you for those who are praying today, God. Lord, we trust You with our life. We trust You with our, our sons and our daughters, God. We ask, Lord, that You would bring that prodigal son back home. That You would bring that prodigal daughter back home, God. Bring them back. Bring them back, God. Lord, we thank You that You love us too much to leave us alone. You love us too much to leave us alone. God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Just be a, a little bit more patient with us, church. How many of you know that God is doing something deep inside of some folks here? Father, do something deep. You know, we're just mere humans. I'm just a man. Man, I could touch you all day long and anoint you with 50 gallons of oil. But I tell you one thing, if God touches you, He'll make all the difference in the world. He's the one who needs to touch us. He's the one. There, there's no other substitute like God. No, no other substitute. No other substitute. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the liberty that I sensed in this place. God, bring a, bring a greater liberty in the house. Bring a greater freedom in the house. Help us to be transparent and real before you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Folks, listen, I want to thank you for allowing me to come and share my soul with you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my, my heart with you. I've just been anticipating this for quite some time, and I thank God for your pastor, the leadership, the worship team. Every single person is a key player in this, and I thank God for what he's doing in this little town, this little area. Amen. How many believe that God wants to do more? How many of you believe that He's only just begun? Amen. He's only just begun. Listen, fire will do one of two things. It'll either spread or it'll go out. I, I, don't, I don't want it to go out in my life. I want it to spread in my life. You want it to spread in your life. Amen. Praise God. 
God bless you. Praise God. So as these guys are up here praying, what we're going to do is, again, don't forget, right out here, Pastor Jerry. As a matter of fact, you want to go stand out there, Pastor Jerry? Pastor Jerry's fixing to stand by his table out there. Those books that he got, that he has out there, they're just a, a, a donation or whatever you want to give. Am I right on that? Uh, you can also go to Jerry M. Ministries. You'll be able to find that link on our website. Partner up with him. Uh, I know we're going to partner up. We're fixing to take a love offering right now. Uh, let's take a love offering. Mr. Denny, will you help? Will you help? Those, those right there. So once again, he's not a pastor of a church anymore. He's just a traveling evangelist who's spreading a great word. Amen. So I want y'all to uh, bless the man. Y'all bless him. We're going to bless him. Lana, you got any money? Okay. God lays it on my heart and mama makes it happen, right? Hallelujah. I see freedom in the name of Jesus taking place on this altar right now. Look at this. Young people. Young people on the altar. Getting back to their first love. Tonight, my prayer is this. When you lay your heads down tonight in your bed, my prayer is that this message will come back to your heart. It will come back to your memory. Instead of regretting not coming up here, just ask God tonight when you're in your bed, Lord, help me to get back to my first love. Amen? Can we do that? Hallelujah. So he has some gifts, like I said, out there. He's got a gas can out there. We're just going to keep having church for a minute, just for a minute. Let me see the gas can, brother. Let me see that gas can. This is literal. Fill my tank. This is literal. I'm not lobbying for Pastor Jerry Milligan so he can have bigger diamonds on his, on his hands or a nicer car. He's driving a 2000. What's your, what's your car? 2001 Toyota Corolla. He's not driving the Cadillacs. He's not the guy who comes in here, tries to sweep through here and get the money and leave. What he's trying to do is advance the gospel. Y'all help him fill his tank. Y'all help him today. Amen. I tell you what, I don't know, I don't know how God's plan is. I don't know how everything works. I don't have to know. What I do know is this. There wouldn't be a Pastor Houston and a Miss Lana. There wouldn't be a Timothy and a Gracie if there hadn't to be in a Jerry Milligan in my life. Amen. Okay? So if y'all don't know him or not, y'all know me well enough that y'all can trust me when I say pray for him. How many times do I tell y'all to pray for your pastor, to pray for the ministers of the gospel? Sow some tears into his ministry. Sow some tears into the kingdom of God. Lay it on your heart. If God lays it on your heart to partner up with Jerry M. Ministries, partner up with him. It's money well spent. Amen? It don't have to go through administrations. It has to go through Miss Jeanette. I know that. But it goes right into the gas tank so he can get to the next church. Not so he can build the next website. It goes in the gas tank so he can further the gospel. Amen. Is all hearts and minds clear here today? Y'all give it up for Pastor Jerry. I love you, brother. Y'all stop there. Shake his hand on your way out. Uh, and if any of y'all are hungry, y'all can stop at Cold Store because we're going to go there and eat. Anybody in this room that wants to eat today, stop at Cold Store and we'll all eat. Is that fair enough? If I held you up, that way you can't. You can't get mad at me when you get up the road and say I held you up. I also bought you dinner. Is that fair enough? All right. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we asked you to show up today. And you brought a man of God in here today, Father God. And I thank you for that, Lord. Uh, I thank you, Father God, that you're so quick to bring us back, to allow us to come back through one words, Father, when we say, forgive me, Father God. Let me grow deeper in love with you. Let, let it start with me, the pastor of this church. Let me grow deeper and more intimate, Father God. 
in love with you. Don't let me get busy with things, but let me get busy with the things of God and the first thing being the great commandment, Father God. Forgive us, Lord, as a church body, as an individual myself. I ask for forgiveness, Lord, because sometimes I put other things in front of you. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for loving us. Be with us throughout this week. Be with Pastor Jerry as he's going on up to, to Gatlinburg. I just pray right now, Father God, supernaturally you're making a way for him with partnerships up there that we'll be able to go up there and preach the gospel this fall. And I believe you're going to do that, Father God. I praise you for that ahead of time. Again, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for the music, the teaching, and the preaching. Father God, let you be exalted in every bit of it. We love you and praise you. And the church says, in Jesus' name, y'all go back here and talk to Brother Jerry. Have you ever met those who keep humming when the song's through? It's like they're living life to a whole different tune. And have you ever met Second.